0: This morning, I just want to um, start by just recapping what I spoke about because it kind of just relates a little bit to this morning and and what I want to just share. And it's it's very simple this morning, but it's just a bit of where I am looking at for two thousand and sixteen. And every year we make our our goals and our and our what we want to achieve through the year. And every year I kind of come up with the same same thing every year that I need to work on. And I kind of just want to look at that this morning. But just firstly, just start with this that um, last time we talked about the wise men and and King Herod and the response to the birth of Jesus Christ as we look at this holiday season and Christmas and all this kind of thing and and firstly we saw that the wise men in Matthew they, they headed off and they had a good life. But they were willing to leave what they had to go in search of Jesus Christ and the birth of Jesus. And so these guys with a massive faith just left what they had with nothing to gain but to meet their king. And so they headed off on this journey and they they finally arrive at Jesus. And we see the first thing they do is completely surrender and lay their lives before him on their knees. And they surrender and bring gifts to Christ. And I just wanna just show you the contrast between King Herod who also hears about the birth of Jesus And King Herod, on the other hand, decides that he would send someone else out to look for their king. And King Herod, in this instance, has got a whole different idea to the birth of Jesus than the wise men. And King Herod sends someone else out. And also, King Herod has this idea that he is king of his own life. And being king of his own life didn't sit well with him when this idea of another king would step into his world. And so you see King Herod wanted to destroy Jesus because he wasn't interested in having someone else rule over his life. And the challenge that was in this passage and this whole thing was just to make sure that we respond to the birth of Jesus the same way that these wise men did. That when we come to Christ, that it's not a partnership, but it's an absolute and utter surrender that he is king over our lives. And that we come before Him and just say, You are King and Lord. Have your way. I am yours. And this morning, I just want to kind of just start to look at the, the birth of Jesus just before that little passage. And the question this morning is, what does it look like to surrender to Christ? For me, it means, definitely means I need to make room. The first thing for me is when it comes to surrender is, I have to make room for Christ in my life. Lay our desires down and to allow Christ to be at the center of everything that we do. This year we had some some interesting changes in our family and we were very blessed and honored to to welcome in a little girl into our lives who um, shook things up a little bit at first. And one of the things that we had to do is when this little little girl comes into our lives is we had to make room for her. So we only had, um, had three-bedroom place, and so we decided that the boys would now have to go into the same room. So we're going to make room for this girl. She could have her own little space. She could have her own room. And the wife got on to me about making it look pretty, and she said, can I... She didn't make me do anything. She just asked whether she could have my money. And she went out and brought <laughs> heaps of stuff. And so... She made it look really pretty, and so she completely changed the room and got rid of all the boys' stuff, and we chucked the boys into the other room, and so we, we made room for this new arrival. Um, the not-so-good side of it was that when we made room, there were sacrifices to it, and the boys ended up becoming a team. They joined forces and were put in the same room, and I know we, we look like we've got it pretty much sorted, and We do. But no, we, we actually, we were a mess. These boys absolutely owned us, okay? <laughs> we chucked them in the same room. We had everything sorted. They were always in bed by 6 o'clock, and they were straight to sleep, and they would wake up at about 7.30, 8 o'clock. And so as a parent, you would be very stoked with that. And so, and I'm not exaggerating, that was our life. We, we, were, we were looking good. We had lots of sleep. We were doing well. And then all of a sudden, we put these kids together in the same room, and it blew everything out of the water. And I tried, we tried so many ways, and so this went on for about a good month and a half to two months of us just, we, we, we struggled to get into bed before 9.30 a lot of the nights. They were constantly just teaming up, causing trouble. Yeah, you get the picture. And anyway, it all ended up that they would get up at about 5.30 or 6 every morning instead of 8 o'clock. So things completely changed. And... Um, just for parents out there we finally figured it out we are doing a little bit better at the moment we just chuck one to bed early and on their own and they go straight to sleep on their own and then we, once he's asleep we can chuck the other one in bed so we're doing okay but. <sighs> but we definitely had to make room not only physically but we had to make room emotionally to love this new addition to our family and things and dynamics completely changed in the way we had to do things. The world is facing an interesting crisis at the moment that we see on TV in regards to all the refugees. They're saying that a 19.5 million are without homes or a place to live. Unwanted and left-wandering where they fit into this world. At a time of year when everything's about family and coming together and feeling wanted and accepted, there is a bunch of people that don't even know where they fit in. See, in Luke 2, verse 7, we look at the birth of Jesus Christ. And it says here, and she gave birth to her firstborn, and she wrapped him In cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You see, straight away on the first ever Christmas, we notice that Jesus Christ didn't have a room himself. He was left in a in a state, or his parents were left in a state of where do we go? Where do we settle for the night? See, Christmas is all about making room. You see, planning out the next year, making room for all the achievements that we want to achieve, all the things that we want to do, we start to make room for the year ahead and for the Christmas period and the holidays. And the question this morning that I want to ask you guys is, are we leaving room for Jesus? You see, in fact, the only place that Jerusalem had for Christ was a cross. And even in his death, there was no room for him, for he was buried in a borrowed tomb. So Jesus, while on earth, I would have picked up that he felt a little bit lost. This wasn't his home. And the people didn't greet him so nicely and just didn't make room for him in a way that he actually made room for us. And the two simple things that I want to just share very fast this morning so you guys, don't fall asleep as this. It's for me in 2006, it's this simple. I want to learn to love Christ better. And I want to learn to love others in a greater way than I ever have and make room for Christ and them. This is the simplicity of the gospel. And this is what challenges me every year to do. See, I love the fact that Christ made room for us, and um, we, we can so often pick and choose who we make room for in life. When you guys come across someone that fits into your category of who you are, what you do in life, it's very easy to let someone else slip into your world, as long as they fit into your ideas and your culture and life. The interesting thing is, do we make room for someone who does not fit into our ideas or our world, and sometimes it can be a lot harder to allow them into our lives, and that's where the sacrifice of making room really comes. See, Paul writes this letter to the church of Ephesus um, and to emphasize that Christ had made room for them, even though the world may not have. See, Alexander the Great was a Greek ruler who lived from 356 to 3, 2, 3 BC. And that his goal was to take over the world. He truly believed that the Greek way of life was far superior to the way the rest of the world lived. As the Greeks would invade other countries and take over, Alexander really believed that he was doing the conquering nations a favor. The Greeks were huge into beauty. They were known for building incredibly beautiful buildings and had museums full of art. They were especially focused on the human body and believed it was the ultimate image of beauty. They started the Olympics... And would have gymnasiums where the rich could come and show off their bodies, kind of like in today's world, the 24 7 gym. And that was all right. Yeah, I know a lot of people go there, it's good. I'm just kidding. Okay, don't worry, just relax. But like all good things, the Greeks' time of power ended, and the Romans took over and took it to another level. Not only did they glorify the human body, but they also would strongly look down on those who had any type of deformity. Or imperfection or blemish. If a part of you was not acceptable by their standards, you would be pushed to the margins and seen as a lower class citizen. The Romans took it even higher to a higher degree than that. And if someone had a baby that was born with a deformity, for example, the parents wanted a boy and were given a girl, people could go to a specific mountain outside of the city and leave their newborn boys or girls to die. People would go out there to this mountain and take these babies and raise the boys to be slaves and the girls to be prostitutes. And when the child was old enough, he or she would be brought to the brothel so they could make money. They grew up knowing that they were dumped by their parents and left to die because they weren't seen as perfect enough. So Ephesus was especially known for these practices. When the apostle Paul visited Ephesus, he learned... That he led a, oh, we learned that he led a wide variety of people to Christ. It's good. He led rich people as well as the slaves and the prostitutes. And so Paul writes this, these house churches in Ephesus a letter. And many of the people listening were these who had been brought up as prostitutes or as slaves that had been given away by their parents. And this is what he wrote in Ephesians 1 verse 3 to 6. For he chose us in him. Before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. He made room for us. In accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of the glorious grace which is freely given us in the one he loves. See God was saying to this group of people. I chose you before the creation of the world. I know you think nobody ever wanted you, but that could not be further from the truth. I chose you before you were even left on that mountain. They were chosen to be holy and blameless in his sight. In some translations it says, without blemish. Later in Ephesians 2, Paul refers to the people as God's masterpiece. They were his work of art. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters in Jesus Christ. These people who had been left by their parents now learned that they did have a father who had adopted and made room for them. Now, that is powerful for these people that didn't feel like there was ever room for them in this world. To suddenly realize that they were adopted and loved as they were. Romans 5, verse 6 It's for while we were still helpless in the and the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, for one will hardly die for the righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in this way that while we were still sinners, Christ would die for us. See, God made room for us as we are, just as we are this year. Why? So we could have a relationship with Him. See, the difference between Christianity and every other faith in the world is that all other religions are about man trying to reach God. But Christianity is about God reaching down to us. And church, we can sometimes get so caught up on trying to achieve God's love this year, putting things in place just to make it to God or to come under Him in a way that we feel that we'll be accepted. When this morning, I really wanted to challenge us that, hey, we need to just make room to be loved as we are, and the way Christ has already stepped down for us. I want to just share, and I quote, and this one goes out to you, Ron, From one of the probably the, the greatest theologians of our era. I want you to listen very carefully, okay? I've looked around, and man, there are a lot of weird Christians out there. You can laugh if it's... Yeah, but you guys are serious about that. (laughs) People doing things so God will love them. I will show up looking like this. I will say, bless you at all the right times. I will do everything that looks right so God will love me. But that's not what God is about. He is based on love. I loved you first regardless of who you are or what you have done or are doing. See, it doesn't mean that you can just live the way you want, but you live in love rather than religion. For example, if I love my girlfriend, I'm not going to want to cheat on her. Why? Because I love her so much. You develop a relationship with God, so you don't want to do the other stuff above all else. When we understand our worth in him, we find a peace that puts our soul to rest. We have been made here on earth to have relationships, to get in depth with each other and do life together. This is what it's about. And that's how our God is supposed to be with us. These are the great words of Justin Bieber. You guys going to kick me off the stage now? Ouch, ouch. but I love what he says. You see, he's probably not the best example, and I'm probably going to get a few parents coming up to me later saying, how dare you use him as an example to our youth, and um, and I'm not, okay? But what I am doing is using him as an example of the fact that he understands the first thing about Christ is that we need to make sure it's about a relationship first before religion. See, Justin Bieber, I would rather him to not be perfect and be coming into a relationship with Christ than for him to have a lifestyle that is perfect and not know Christ personally. You see, these other things will come into place as we begin to love and get to know Christ on a basis of relationship. We'll start to, out of love, want to obey him. See, if you love me, keep my commands in John 14, 15. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, John 14, 23. Church, above all else, we need to make room to fall in love with Christ this year more and more. The other thing that that hits me for 2016 is, for me personally, it's falling in love with Christ, but it's also about falling in love with people. Making room to serve this world the way Christ has served me. You see, this is how we know what love is, that Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to do the same. You see, it may seem quite hopeless as we look at the world and we look especially at this refugee crisis that's going on at the moment and we see so much helpless people and we look at our own lives and think, what can I do to help this generation? But I want to just encourage you that Christ is the hope. We may feel like we are hopeless, but in all things, I just want to just acknowledge that Christ is hope and that we can start to just bring hope in our everyday world here today in Whangarei. See, people are, being, are looking to be loved as they are, to be accepted with their faults, to be loved unconditionally, to see Christ's hands and feet in their world right where they are. Making room isn't always easy, but allows the power of the cross to be at work in this generation. Luke 19, we see that Jesus entered and passed through Jericho and a man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. He tried to see who Jesus was, but was not able from the crowd because he was little in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into the tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. When Jesus came to the vicinity, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down, for today I must remain at your house. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. When they saw it, they all murmured, saying, He has gone to be with the guest of a man who is a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone falsely accusation, I will repay him four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that Which was lost. Zacchaeus had so many issues. He was not the kind of guy in those times that you would dare to be seen with or that you would want to hang out with. He didn't fit into your culture and he definitely didn't fit into Jesus' culture. But this is what I loved about Christ's journey and his walk was always open to everyone. He was always looking at who and what he could make room for along the way of his journey. Learn to do right, promote justice, give the oppressed reason to celebrate, take up the cause of the orphan, defend the rights of the widows. This is Christ's heart for us as a church and as individuals. In Matthew 25, 35, 40, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the King will answer, truly, I say to you, as you have done it for me, or for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you have done it for me. If we were to look in the Greek and study what that passage really means, And you guys are more than welcome to. You'll find that it means exactly what it just says. It's not complicated. It's the fact that as we reach out and make room for others, we're actually making room for Christ. See, Christ's heart was always for the people. And as we touch and reach the people, we touch and reach Christ. See, first of all, we need to fall in love with Christ. And then second, we need to fall in love with the people that he loves so much. As we um, make our plans for this this coming year and and we look at all the possibilities and all the dreams we have for 2016, and I know for myself, I line everything up and I look at all the possibles and I think, right, I can achieve this this year. And I can do this, and I start to just make some ideas. I don't write it, I'm not a write-it-down person, those that know me, that might hurt my hand or something, but I like to just think about it in my head. Okay, and so I just I think through what I want to achieve this year, and I always just look at the possible. And I always want to just challenge us as a church this morning. As we look to 2016 and the and the plans and the purposes that Christ has for us in our lives. I wonder if we're going to make room to see the impossible happen. You see, if we make room for the impossible with Jesus Christ at the center of everything, then the impossible will become possible. We always like to sit things down and structurally plan things. And I've learned over the years that Christ doesn't work so so much structurally. He does, but we also need to allow room for Christ to move. And that would probably be my biggest flaw is that I'm very, look at the worst case scenario, everything has to line up. That's just how my brain ticks. And I've struggled over the years to allow room for Christ to actually move and have his way and turn things that are impossible into possible. And church, I really believe that we can see the impossible happen when we make room for Christ this year. If I could just get the music team to come up. They were, they were awesome this morning. Jump up, guys. See, for me, 2006, I'm no, no Justin Bieber, 2016. But I also don't have everything sorted. Okay? And this year, the goal for me personally It's just to learn to stop. Just to learn to allow God to love me the way I am. To understand that His love was not conditional on all these things of me striving and doing this and this this year to achieve it. And as I make these plans for 2016, I don't want to fill up every ounce of my life trying to achieve different things. That I maybe just stop and focus on the basics of the gospel, which is just falling in love with Christ. Put some time aside, make some space to actually know Jesus Christ personally and spend time in His presence. And as we do, these other things will start to fall into place for you this year. See, I choose to make room for more of Christ, not to strive for His love, but focus on my relationship and to love the way Christ chose to love me as I am. To make room for people that may not fit into my world or seem to be like me. But as Christ made room for me and you, that I too would also make room for those that I come in contact with over this next year. That I would create a life that is willing to step aside and open up to people to let them see the true love that Christ has placed in me and put upon them. Know Him greater and make room for all. There was hope in the birth of Christ and there is hope in us this morning. See, Jesus was left without a room and was pushed aside, but he completely chose to do the opposite for you and I. 2016 is gonna be a good year. And as you guys plan this year out, my encouragement to you is to not fill it up with too much stuff. But please allow room for Christ in what you plan this year. Whatever your dreams, whatever you're aiming for, don't forget the God factor. That Christ at the centre of everything creates the impossible into possible. We just need